night. But uh, yeah, man, we back. So rock with us. We'll be right here. All right, welcome to Who That Kiss Podcast. It's your boy RK rocking with JD. And you know, under uh, better circumstances, we'd probably be pretty chipper and pretty excited to talk to y'all. But uh, you know, we, we didn't get a pregame, and life is catching up with us. And it feels like just everything was wrong this week. I was excited about the game, JD. Um, I felt like, in general, I felt like the Saints were in a real good place. Um, I felt like they had an opportunity to be successful. Um, I thought the way the game started was going to follow the same format that I thought it would go. You know, I, I thought the Saints were going to actually, you know, Indianapolis 2013, uh, the, the Vegas Raiders. I thought it was going to be a big And I thought that we were going to, you know, just show the NFL that, much like the Baltimore Ravens did to the Houston Texans, that we're a formidable force and you should be worried to play with us. And uh, it's never going to be an easy minute. Playing against the Saints, but unfortunately, yeah. we reverted back to 2014, 2015, 2016 defenses, and I get it. The Saints didn't play great on any aspect of the game, but for me, the biggest takeaway from this game, and at first you you saw, I was on Twitter, I lost my mind, and I, and I did blame Drew. Obviously, hindsight's 2020, and I learned a little bit more about the game and. Um, he doesn't deserve all the blame, but uh, d- just the zebras throwing throwing flags that are are not they're not influencing the game in any kind of aspect, and uh, the, the, not nothing bigger than the call on Jackrabbit at the end of the game. The ball's uncatchable. There's a rule that's you know it's an objective rule that the refs can use, but if it's uncatchable, it's uncatchable. You don't throw a penalty because the ball's uncatchable. So it doesn't matter if Jackrabbit jump kicked the guy in the back of the head. You know what I mean? The ball was uncatchable. So it doesn't matter how fast Ruggs is running, he was never catching that ball. And that little hook, while they're both arm fighting at the end of the game, on third down, I found to be um, pretty emblematic of the way that the game was going. And uh, it epitomized just the, the strife that, that was the Saints' offensive and defensive game plans. Uh, going into that game, um, I've, I've rambled on. For think, a, I've rambled on for a minute now, so I'm interested to see how that went for you. What did you think? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about that one play with Jack Rabbit there, the PI that was called. Do you think that the referees thought, like you know, Henry Ruggs coming in as a as a known speedster, obviously faster than Janoris Jenkins at this stage in his career? Do you think that the referees gave the benefit of the doubt because of the speed factor there? Uh, and no, like, I don't. I, I just to to answer your question simply, I don't. I really feel like, and this could be just me, you know, ex uh, angry ex girlfriend syndrome. I I feel like the NFL has got it in for the Saints, and I feel like that's been a, been a thing since 2016. I think Sean coming off of his suspension and just all of it. You know what I mean? I don't feel like the Saints are in any kind of goodwill at the NFL, and as much as. You want to say the referees are independent from the actual running of the league? They're not. The referees are a part of the league. I'm sure Roger Goodell's got his fingerprints, you know, on those referees in some facet. And I really do. I, I'm I am a firm believer in the conspiracy theory that the NFL does not like the Saints. So if there's ever anything that's going to go 50-50, it's going in the opposite direction of the Saints. And, I've, and I've, I haven't been proven wrong over the last four years. Can you? Am I wrong? 
there's not one instance where you're like, there's a 50-50 situation. Oh, it went to Saints' favor. There's not. All the 50-50 situations have gone against the Saints. All of them. We saw pass interference against Travis Kelsey in the, in the playoffs, or George Kittle, sorry, in the playoffs against Kansas City. That was the exact same play replicated, literally, in our playoff game against the Vikings. Now, would we have won? Who knows? Maybe not. But it was third down. Kyle Rudolph pushes off P.J. Williams in the back of the end zone, gets a touchdown, the game's over. But that's the exact same play we just watched on television, on national television, with, you know, you know, a billion people watching the game. And they see the exact same call, but it all gets called that game? Like, it, I, just, I just feel like there's a bunch of things that happen in these games, and you have to kind of scratch your head saying, like, what's happening? What am I watching? Like, am I wrong? Am I, am I a stupid? Like, you know what I mean? Like, am, I, am I not really internalizing what I'm seeing on television and then being able to process it in my, process it in my brain and not understand that this is normal? Because it's not. This isn't normal because I watch it in other games. You know, the, luck, the lucky thing about technology is we have so many screens going. You know what I mean? On Sunday, I got four, I got four screens going. I, I can see four games in red zone going on. I don't see stuff like this, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's frustrating to see that the Saints are up over 200 yards of penalties in two weeks. And don't get me wrong. We had our faults, you know, and I really want to hear your, your take on this because like I'm hearing myself talk and I've been, I'm a crazy person. I've been talking to myself about it on my way to work, back from work at night, just tossing and turning. It's, dry, it's consuming me, but I really don't feel like we played 129 yards worth of penalties bad. We played bad, but we didn't play that bad. Yeah, no, you, you have to look for discrepancies in all things in sport. And, and the one, obviously, glaring discrepancy in this, you know, this game was was penalties, you know, 10 to 3. And that's not even the worst of the discrepancies. It's 129 yards to 13 total yards and penalties for the Raiders. And when I coach basketball, if I see on the scoreboard, in the, in the first quarter, you know, my team has been called for seven fouls and the other team has been called for one foul. I tell the ref, listen, there's a discrepancy happening here. And slowly that kind of, you know, fades back to, to even uh, because they understand that it's got to be balanced in that approach. Like, you can't call, you know, the game one way that benefits the team um, that you're calling against. You know, like, it's, it's kind of... It's weird to see the discrepancy in these numbers I'm looking at right now. Um, and with that discrepancy being the case, you know, having a 17-7 lead and, and losing by 10, unfortunately, that, you're right, doesn't seem as, as bad of a loss because of what happened in that penalty situation. And also, just comparing other numbers here, too, like, you know, Drew Brees was 26 out of 38, and Derek Carr was 20 out of 38. The only difference, and Drew Brees out yarded him too. The only difference is is the touchdown to INT ratio, and that INT was unforgivable at halftime. Like that was a brutal, brutal turnover. But, yeah, but Justin, um, Justin, we've seen that I, that interception by Drew for the last ten years. That is a one hundred and fifty million percent. We I can tell you before the season starts. Drew had a great year last year. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't throw a ton of interceptions, but guess what? He threw that same interception last year. He throws that interception every single year, at least once, just to show he's human. He throws it, the boneheaded, where you're like, you, he threw it to the defender. He does it once a year. I think last year it was against Eric, Eric Reed pulled it off, I think, against Carolina. He threw it to him. 
Like, the, the interception, I'm not interested in arguing or bantering about with regards to Drew. It's everything else. And we're going to get into this. I'm sorry I cut you off. Continue. Okay. Now, also, one thing that really bothered me was this. The confidence in a run game on Monday was so high that Sean Payton took a point off the board to go for two to give the ball to AK. And he ran that in with ease. There, there's not a single contest towards him not getting into the end zone for that two-point convert. Of course, they got called back, and there's the whole thing with that. But, but like, he was so confident in the run game, and he, and he should have been, because he started the game off with five out of our first seven plays were runs. One to Deontay, and then uh, one to Latavius, and AK had the other other five or four, whatever it might have been. And, and they were all productive runs. Our average, like, rushing per carry at that point was like 7.7 or something crazy in the first quarter. So yeah, of course you feel confident getting going for two. And then all of a sudden in the second, third, and fourth quarter we only we only tallied 19 carries total. So we had seven in the first quarter and then 11 for the last three and we were averaging 7.7 for the first seven. So I don't I don't see why we strayed from that game plan. Like why, what happened I was I was texting you during the game, and this is you're you're talking to my point there because I, I said to you, I said why would we go away from what was working? So defensively, I thought Dennis Allen called a very good first quarter, and we played a very vanilla defensive set. Like they weren't able to do a bunch against us because we just sat home. We everybody did their job. You know the New England Patriots mantra: everybody just did their job. And the the result of it was. There were no lanes for passes for Derek Carr to make. There were no lanes for Josh Jacobs to run through. And then every couple plays, we got a couple sacks. So it's working. Why are we dialing up exotic blitzes after that? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that Malcolm Jenkins got his sack. Great. Everybody gets their shine. Let's flex for the camera. But that cost us at the end. Because it gave Oakland a bit of momentum and it gave them confidence. Because you know what? They had no confidence down 10 nothing. They had no confidence down 17-7. We allowed that by changing the game plan. And I'm with you, Justin. Alvin Kamara is running wreck shop on this team. You give him the rock until he, st- until, like, until he starts getting two yards of carry. Because guess what? With a 17-7 lead, the worst thing that you're going to do is punt the ball back to them. The best thing is Alvin Kamara is going to get work and let him cook. People are begging right now in Seattle to let Russ Wilson cook. And the, the benefit of it is Russell Wilson's the early season MVP. Him or Kyler Murray. With Alvin Kamara as a third candidate, in my opinion, right now for MVP. The way he's playing. So you have your MVP candidate balling. And you take the ball out of his hands because you want to do what? You want to be cute and start throwing the ball down the field? I'm never going to pretend to understand, you know, the breakdown of NFL offenses versus the defense, the defensive adjustments that are being made because I see a little bit of it, but we don't understand fully, right? What I just don't understand is you got a, you got an offensive line that you put a lot of money into and a lot of talent on, and I would say we could argue easily it's a top 10 offensive line in the NFL. Why with a 17-7 lead are we throwing the ball down on every single down? First, second, third for two straight drives. That doesn't make any sense to me. You're not seeing an eight-man box, so you're not making an adjustment to be like, he's running against an eight-man box. And even if he is, his biggest of the run came against a seven-man box. 
his biggest run of the day game against a seven-man box. So none of it makes sense to me. I'm still, I can, I can hear my own voice. I can hear me talking to you. I'm still noticeably upset about it. Um, did you have anything to add about the way that the game flow went there? I want to kind of talk about yeah. individuals. You know, you know what, quickly, just to kind of, this is about the game flow in a way too, is, well, obviously time of possession was, you know, 36 to 24 or whatever it might have been. But that's because Oakland, or Oakland, Las Vegas had such a balanced attack, like 38 pass attempts and 33 rushes. The Saints, 38 pass attempts, 19 rushes. So, you know, two-thirds of our plays were putting the ball in the air. And... I just don't get the rationale anymore. Like, if, if we were paying Alvin Kamara the money we're paying him now, well, not this year, but in years coming up, and we have a guy like Latavius Murray who can get get started if he gets started early, only getting three carries, and you have a, a game-breaker like Deontay Harris who can take the ball to the house, and you have Taysom Hill who can bully guys. Is, in this, in, in, Is Taysom allowed to play? He played 11 snaps or 12 snaps. Like, like... You know, yeah. like like we had seventy snaps or sixty two snaps or whatever, and he played eleven or twelve snaps. Like, oh, sorry. And, and in the playoffs, this guy was this guy was like on everyone's radar. Everyone knew about Taysom Hill in the playoffs against Minnesota. Like everyone can recall probably three plays he made in that game. He even not the fans, you know, like because he, he he shone. Like he he stood out so so greatly, and being the position that he is, you know, labeled as, and coming in and doing the work that he's doing. Um, like it's it's noticeable, and and John Gruden was was quoted as saying like, you know this this guy's unstoppable. Maybe not quoted like this, but he's unstoppable. Like I I, don't, I wish I had a guy like him on my team, and and just praising him, praising him, and, and and then like so that that's fear. Like when a coach talks about someone, that's fear. Like Bill Belichick talked about Russell Wilson because he fears him. So if John Gruden is is fearing Taysom Hill. Why not put that fear onto the field? Because now John Gruden has to second guess himself and how he's checking his his defensive schemes and all this during, during the game. Like, there's got to be something that Sean Payton could have done to put Taysom Hill on the spot to succeed against a team that's already scared of him to begin with. So I have a question for you, and I thought about this actually today. Um, Taysom Hill got signed to that contract, right? Yeah. And prior to Jameis Winston, like the thought was that Taysom Hill is going to be the heir apparent, correct? Do you think that Taysom, maybe in the wording of his contract or maybe signing that contract, which is kind of friendly to the team if he ever became our starter when Drew left next year, it is a friendly deal for a quarterback for our team because there's not a lot of money tied up to it. Do you think that he maybe said, hey, listen, I'm not 25 and I'm not trying to run out there and break my neck if I'm going to be the starting quarterback for your team. So could we maybe not put myself in a situation where... I have to be so aggressive and so hands-on. Like, I, like, I'm not saying that he's saying I don't want to do the things that, that made me this money. But he's saying, if you want me to be a quarterback and you truly value me as a quarterback, is this the best way for you to treat me going forward in these games? Because we can still win games without me, you know, being a fullback on a lead block for Latavius Murray. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I wonder if that's part of it because... For Taysom to only see like four real meaningful snaps, because I watched the game for the third time today, um, for him to see only four snaps as a in, in meaningful time 
with his hands on the football or near the football. I find that to be a little bit alarming for where we're going, unless Sean really thought the same way I thought after it was 10 nothing that this is going to be a drubbing and he can start being cute with a bunch of things. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the thing to think about. Um, I did want to get into some specifics, though, because I don't want to go on forever with this. But uh, everybody's killing Drew, and I think Drew deserves a lot of blame. Um, he missed a lot of throws. You know, he missed a lot of throws. And when I say a lot, Drew's usually at 70%. So if he's down at 50%, that's what I'm meaning. That's what I'm getting at, right? I think the throw that he missed to Emmanuel where he threw it in the dirt, the throw he threw behind Deontay Harris in the middle of the field where he couldn't catch it and it was a drop and it got credited as a drop to Deontay Harris, but it wasn't. If you watch it again, Deontay's running in stride and if Drew throws it in front of him, he's got 25 yards ahead of him. You know what I mean? The, the one where Traquan got, Traquan got murdered... You know, Drew's late on the throw. The one to uh, Jared Cook where he throws him on that kind of, that, that laid out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and Jared Cook pushed off. That ball's high. The ball to Josh yeah. Hill coming across the field, that ball's away. The ball to, to Troutman where he has to actually extend. And you actually see the wheels on Troutman, which is, is, is exciting for me as a fan because he had to speed up to go get that ball. I felt like Drew's timing was so off in this game. And like, Drew's Watching it a couple times over, I, I'm I'm tapering my anger and my angst towards Drew. But this was a bad game by Drew. You could tell he was never comfortable. His timing was completely off. People are ready to crucify Emmanuel Sanders because he got a couple million dollars to be our number two receiver. Relax. Just relax. Emmanuel Sanders actually looked really good out there. Watching it again, watch him run. He breaks guys off. He's open. He didn't get the ball there. So I think that that's a chemistry thing. You remember last year, it took Jared Cook five, six, seven weeks to get comfortable in our system. And then after week eight, he balled out. Yeah. I think we're going to see the same thing from Emmanuel Sanders. So I think... Yeah, well, he, he came out and said that the, the, the playbook is challenging this 15 personnel grouping just to deal with. And he, he's still confused as to... Well, maybe not confused as a word, but he, he said he still questions if he's on the field during certain packages. So there's, there's a lot to learn. And, and two weeks in, in the game... You know, the the speed of the playbook picks up too. Like you're you're processing everything that you think you know, and then if you if you don't know, Sean's gonna rip you anyway. So you better better get it right. Yeah. And and he, he doesn't want to have that happen as a vet either, right? So like there's pride on the line for him with that. So there, there's a lot happening with with that aspect of. of and, and and a guy like know. Emmanuel Sanders, when people are trying to kill him, I'm like. There's a lot of guys in the NFL you can kill because they get their money and they stop working. Emmanuel, Sa- yeah. Emmanuel Sanders is known by the rest of his peers as one of those guys. Like, if he had the same pedigree as Larry Fitzgerald, he'd be known as that same guy because he works his tail off. He is a student of the game. He loves playing football, and he's not trying to just take a check and get out of there. So um, I-, I have I have still a lot of optimism, you know, leaning towards what um, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be able to do um, going forward but um, let's talk about the defensive ball here for a second I am terrified Justin like when I say terrified I mean like I don't even like I'm coming to your house on Sunday I'm going to be at your house at probably 6.30 yeah the drive over to your place and the 45 minutes subsequent to the game starting my nerves are going to be shot because 
I just don't know what to expect from our secondary anymore. After week one, I thought, hey, we actually have maybe one of the best free safeties in football. And then we have two corners that really, they get it. You know what I mean? They, they know what to do in situations and they get it. They're smart. Lattimore's a vet now. He's not a young guy anymore. He's a vet. But watching that game, like Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, Zay Jones, like these are scrubs that cannot make our roster right now. Yeah. And they gave our guys work. So, like, did our guys go party the night before? Like, I'm actually, I don't know. I, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like, did they, like, we, Alex Anzalone, are you serious? The benefit of having you is that you are a mobile linebacker that has good coverage skills. You're not a thumper. You're not great against the run. How can we not put you as a bracket with a corner underneath? PJ Williams, I'm calling you out. How many times on this podcast have I yelled at PJ Williams? I'm ready to just throw PJ into the garbage and just never, ever have to say his name again. It is so irritating. Like, PJ Williams, are you serious? You want to play corner, you can't play corner. You can't play boundary. Okay, we'll put you in the slot. Okay, you can't play slot. Okay, we'll put you at safety. Oh, you look okay at safety. We'll try you back at slot. You get crushed by Darren Waller. Like, I just, I'm, I'm at that point now where that, like, our secondary really scares me. And I thought it was a point of actual emphasis that, that they, they looked at in the offseason, being like, we want to solidify this unit because it'll help our pass rush. And it feels like it just kind of backfired on us in this in this one game. I'm hoping it's a blip, Justin. I'm yeah, hoping it, it will not age well, and we're completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren Waller had 16 targets. That's insane. Well, Devontae, That's a lot of targets. Yeah, Devontae Adams has the most in the league this year. In that one game, he had 19. Yeah, and he caught 14 of them. And he's coming to town on Sunday night. Um, Mar- Marshawn, I think I think Marshawn's gonna, yeah, he is, he is. But I think he'll he'll still play because this is a huge game in the NFC. Like, see, that's the thing. I, I don't, I know, I know, overall record is huge, but I, I don't. If we're gonna lose a game and it's an AFC game, I'm okay with it. Well, you know, after watching this weekend, if we don't sweep the Falcons, um, then the year's done, anyways. If we can't sweep the Falcons this year, then our, our year's done. They're going to be, yeah. we're going to get Dan Quinn hopefully for one of the games. And then the second game will be Dan Quinn's interim coach because he'll be fired. Um, Carolina, our first game, they're not going to have McCaffrey. His ankle is really bad. They put him They put him on IR today. And then we've already beat Tampa once. So can we win another game in Tampa? It's happening. we got to go 5-1 in division. We have to. We have to go. I'm not gonna lie to you. If we want the number one seed overall, we got to go six and zero in division. I, I think. That, I, don't, I don't even know if number one seed matters this year. I do. It's a. It's I, I almost. Don't, I almost don't want one seed. I, I want to. I want to take the two seed and play the seven seed. I don't. I, I, I want I, the one. Like, I want the one seed. I want our guys being healthy. I want one less game to get one step further. Because unfortunately, as a Saints fan, we were a nine point favorite against the Vikings last year at home with Kirk Cousins at quarterback and a banged-up Dalvin Cook coming into town, and we lost that game because Andres Pete and Larry Warford couldn't block two edge rushers that moved inside. I don't want any kind of tricks or you know voodoo happening to us in this situation. 
I want every step towards that Super Bowl happening as easy as possible because it's so hard to get there. We've been fighting for so long when they were so bad and then they won in 09 and we were so happy. And since 09, Justin, we have not been back. And we've had some very good teams. 2011, 2017, 2018, 2019. I'm, I'm done. I just want to be there. And now speaking of a team that's coming in, they're coming in red hot. They put up 85 points and over 1,000 yards in two weeks. Yeah. And the competition hasn't been great. And I, I get yeah. that. They got the Lions in one of the games. So let's just, let's, Matt Patricia is the, the, he's like the community bicycle. Everybody gets a ride. You know, yeah. like you just, he's, yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really ranking the Packers. And, and the Minnesota secondary is oh. looking like terrible. So, mm-hmm. so they, they got two, they got two easy games against divisional opponents. Um, and they look like they're formidable and, and I'm, I'm terrified of what they're doing. But if, if we can keep Aaron Jones and keep that streak to under hundred yards going, for rushers, we even held Josh Jacobs to under 100 yards, which is still awesome. Yeah. If he keep Aaron Jones under 100, and, and Devontae is at 75%, he's not getting over 100 either, then we're going to be okay. And we have to block the Smith brothers. That's yeah, those big guys. Yeah. But let's, let's just do something we don't ever really do. Let's go a little walk around the NFL really quickly. So, by division, the uh, AFC West, the Chargers bring, brought in the rookie quarterback. I thought he looked pretty good. I don't yeah. think Kansas City looks as good as they normally do. And the Raiders are the surprise team, you know, uh, of the league so far, the way that they're playing. And the Denver Broncos are banged up beyond all belief. Is there anything I missed in that division right now? No. Um, looking at the AFC. So, uh, do you think that there's two coming out of the AFC to the playoffs in AFC West? Yes, 100%. I think it's Vegas and Kansas City. Vegas and yeah. Kansas City. And to be honest with you, if Derwin James didn't get hurt, I, I really and Melvin Ingram... I really believe that the Chargers would have been the third team out of the AFC West. Um, that's, sure. that's how good that division is. But So we got two teams out of there. The AFC East, uh, the Patriots, you know, still humming along somehow. The Dolphins playing hard and still losing close games. The Jets are the worst team in football, and it's not even close. And then the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, Josh Allen season. I'm here for my fantasy quarterback. I've been a big Josh Allen fan since he did that dance in the playoff game against the Texans. I thought that was wicked, and I and I like guys like that. I think guys like playing for him. There's something going on in Buffalo, and I think Buffalo's going to win that division. I think the Patriots are going to uh, they're going to fizzle at some point. Is there anything I missed in that division? I think it's set in stone, man. Um, the AFC South, that's the worst division in the AFC. Philip Rivers, Philip Dirty Rivers, the punchy face guy. You just want to punch him in the face. Um, he, the the Colts their defense is playing good. Jonathan Taylor is uh he's a special he's a special back. Um, fun to watch him play. The Texans Bill O'Brien enough said. Um, the Jaguars you know Gardner Minshew season they could be the seventh seed in the AFC in my opinion. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw that. And the Tennessee Titans I think are going to end up nine and seven. Um, I think they're the most. Yeah, they win the division though. Yeah uh, no I think India will win the division. I think India will win it at uh, eleven and five, and I think Jack. And you think and you think the Jaguars are going to still make the playoffs? Yeah, and I, have, nine and seven? I have the Jaguars going ten and six. I looked at their schedule and after the first two games, and I adjusted my thoughts based on the way that they played. They're going to get healthier, and I, I really, I'm a Gardner Minshew believer, man. He's a guy that he's a Brett Favre kind of guy. He, the guys like playing for him. He works his tail off, and he'll take chances. 
and that's what you need in the NFL. He, they might end up three and eleven, uh, three and thirteen. I, I might be completely wrong, but don't be shocked if they make the playoffs. I think that yeah. they're a little bit overhyped, and I think that they're going to fall on their face because they don't have enough. They don't have enough healthy tools right now. Um, the AFC North. Wow, talk about um, just Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and Lennox Lewis all in the same division. The Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football, and it's not close. I think I think Sunday night they're going to beat the Chiefs in in dramatic fashion. It's going to leave the NFL world. All the talking heads are going to be, wow, Lamar Jackson really is the MVP, and Lamar versus Patrick Mahomes, and that's what they're going to talk about. But it really comes down to the Baltimore defense and their offensive line. Man, are they mean, displacing human beings. Clayus Campbell adding to that team just makes yeah. they, they're a 14-win team. Until he retires, they're a 14-win team. And, yeah, they're, well, sure. and they're well coached. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think Mike Tallman, in my opinion, is a top-five coach in the NFL. And, and having a healthy bend back and Juju and Deontay Johnson and Connor when he's not banged up. And that defense, like they're they're a good they're a good outfit in Pittsburgh. They could end up with finishing thirteen and three and finishing second in that division, which would suck. Uh, Cleveland, I, I think they were overhyped last year, and I think they're they're really talented. I think they have the the best backfield in the NFL in Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb, and I think that's going to be good enough to get them uh, a lot of wins this year as well. And I think they'll finish third. And then last but not least, Mister Burrow, I love you. Um, you gave me a lot of joy as a 37-year-old man last year. But unfortunately, you play for uh, Mr. Brown's Bengals, and they don't spend money on free agents, and they don't spend money on retaining their product that's talented. And unfortunately, the Bengals are really bad. So, yeah, and they don't invest in O-line to help the future of this quarterback that they have. It's ugly. It's so ugly. Yeah. It's so ugly. Yeah. The Bengals are going to be bad. Um, going over to the NFC, you want to start with the NFC North? What do you think? The yeah, NFC North, uh, well, obviously Green Bay comes out, lights out. But but again, we talked about their, their opponents they've had. So 2-0 start, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's been, you know, laid a fire underneath because of the Jordan Love thing. Um, is it Jordan Love? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And uh, and then, you know, obviously Chicago is also 2-0. Surprising. Yeah, but uh, the defense holding them in, and you know, Mitch Trubisky looking pretty average. But if that's good enough to be two and zero, then I guess it's not bad. Yeah. They're in a better spot than we are at this point, which is sad to say. <laughs> um, then obviously the the downfall in Minnesota is sweet, sweet, sweet to see. I love I love watching this downfall happen right now. Just a cascade of of disaster, and then. Uh, yeah, Detroit just being Detroit obviously makes sense for the whole world to uh, feel comfortable in. Side, side question: How, When does Matt Patricia get fired? What week? Uh, he okay, him or Dan Quinn first? Who's going? It's got to be Patricia because uh, Arthur Blank really likes Dan Quinn, and the players like Dan Quinn, so I think that gives yeah. us a couple weeks. Yeah, Not, nine wins in, in you know two years and changes is, uh, is, is abysmal, for, especially from a Patriots coaching tree. That's uh, that's pretty terrible. Um, going over to the West. Uh, toughest division in the NFC, I think, for sure, because there's three solid, solid teams and one team who's going to be banged up for a long time. But uh, the Rams looking like they might be ramming again, like 2-0. and Offense is humming, and uh, they look pretty good on defensive end, too, with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald out there. It's kind of scary. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, 
you know, you, you've talked MVP talk for Kyler Murray after two weeks, and it's it's definitely uh, a possibility at this point. The guy's playing lights out, and, and how could you not with, with DeAndre Hopkins joining your team? It just makes you want to play better. Um, and the defense, too, is, is, is holding their own. Um, obviously, playing the Redskins isn't, isn't too fearful, but uh, they, they did the work they had to do and doubled them up and scored, so that's, that's pretty decent. And then uh, the Seahawks are, are steamrolling on offense, not so much on defense, so defense is suspect. Um, and, and, yeah, Russ is, is cooking, like you said. He's, you know, 82.5% completion percentage and, and nine touchdowns, no picks. The guy is balling out of control. Yeah, it's and it's crazy. Yeah, and then obviously 49ers. Such terrible luck in New York. They're flying East Coast, first of all, all across the country, and then so far from home, you lose four guys to major injury um, in the same game, back-to-back plays for Bosa and uh, Solomon Thomas there. I don't, I, don't say, I don't say bad things with people, and I don't wish injury on people, but the, the fact of the matter is injuries happen in the NFL, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This I year especially. So I was... I was elated that the injuries didn't happen to the Saints and that they could happen to the 49ers. My, yeah. my, dis, like I despise the 49ers because I felt like they took something from us last year and they didn't deserve it. I felt like Vernon Davis took something from us and they didn't deserve it. I just, I don't like the 49ers. So when they all went down, I was like, hmm. Like, I'm not clapping. I'm not cheering. I'm not happy. But I'm also not upset. Um, one thing that you did mention that I wanted to kind of just say something about is don't sleep on the Washington football team because that defense that they have, they've got seven first-rounders playing on that defense. So what the Cardinals did to them last week was really important. And, and it did say a lot about them. Anyways, I digest. What do you got about the East? The East? Uh, well, Dallas came back. I was hoping that game, I texted you this, that they could both lose. But unfortunately, somehow... <laughs> One of them found a way to win. Uh, I guess that's good for us, but also, you know, kind of resented Dallas whenever I see one. Um, but Dallas looks like they don't have much of a defense either, but they can put up points if they have to against bad offenses, obviously, or bad defenses, obviously. But uh, but they're still going to get better. Like, CeeDee Lamb is going to be uh, something fierce in the future, I think. And if, you know, Gallup and Cooper can continue to, to produce it the way that they can, and he has Zeke in the backfield, their O line is banged up, which kind of hurts him a bit. But, but Dallas, um, I've, I've said enough about them. Uh, the more words that I want to speak about them in a day. Um, and then, yeah, NFC East. I think you know, obviously, that's a weird division. Uh, anyone can win that thing at this point. They're all kind of crappy, and uh, I love seeing it. And then the South, you know, obviously the Saints on top of the division right now, but by virtue of beating the Bucks. And other than that, like. Will anybody have be, Will anybody have a winning record other than the Saints in the South? Tampa's probably going to get to nine seven. Okay. I feel, I feel like they can find you know three more wins against Atlanta, Atlanta, and Carolina. Well, here's a question for you. And, since we're on predictions, we got a game on Sunday night. I'm going to be watching with you. We're, I'm going to bring. I'm bringing over beignets, by the way. I'm making beignets nice. with my double zero flour. Um, Give me a prediction of, uh, of you don't have to get into too much depth, but who's going to be our MVP on defense, who's going to be our MVP on offense, and give me a score for the game. I think Demario Davis is going to ball out on, on Sunday night. I think he's going to you know play his middle linebacker role as cleanly as possible, 
keep everyone in check, make sure that everyone gets to their spot. And not only that, I think he's going to have like, you know, one of those 11, 12 tackle games and give me a, a weird deflected pick. It'll be like one of those kind of games where he just shows out for the national audience at home. And, and hopefully that's the case because we need him to be a leader and to step up and do that. Uh, on offense, I think I, I can see like Traquan just had some burst when he caught the ball. Mm-hmm. And yards after catch, and now I'm kind of buying to the hype you were talking about all summer, and like mm-hmm. you know five five catches, five catches, eighty six. That's that's a nice you know YPC, right? So if 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 you can get him in the end zone once or twice, that'd be pretty good for his, his you know his confidence. Um, he might have like the Washington game, ten catches, hundred and fifty, and two touchdowns, like he had was that last year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that might be in the cards. So I'm gonna go with Traquan and Demario. Well, it makes it makes me smile when you said Traquan because I've been beating that drum all summer, and I told you this guy's a baller, and he, he was injured last year, and he missed out, blah, 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 and I knew he was going to play well this year, and I'm happy to see it. The the pass he caught across the middle, which should have been about 13 yards, and then he turned it, went backfield, and then ran another 15 yards ahead and got down to, like, the 7-yard line. That was, my, that was my heart right there. You should have seen me standing like a proud dad at the TV being like, that's my boy! <laughs> Um, uh, my my player of the game on defense is gonna be Malcolm Jenkins. I think he's a proud he's a proud individual. He's a talented individual. I don't know if he gets a pick, but I think he'll have some pass deflections, and he'll have some pretty good coverage. And I think he's gonna be our player of the game, and I think he'll get acknowledged as such. On offense, I got a surprise one for you. Josh Hill got banged up, and we don't really trust Emmanuel Sanders right now because he doesn't know what's going on. But you know who did look good? He played eight snaps on offense, and he looked great. Troutman. I have a yeah. feeling we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, and I think we're going to see a lot of Jared Cook over the top and Troutman underneath and vice versa. Don't be shocked if you see Troutman with a, with a stat line of like 576 and two touchdowns at the end of this game, and everybody goes, oh, my God. And, you know, all the ir- irrational Saints fans start losing their mind, being like, Jimmy Graham, Mary Incarnate. Um, I, 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 I won't go that far, but I'll say he's going to have the opportunity to have a couple big games for us, and I think Sean will scheme it up that way because – that's where Green Bay is susceptible, it is with the tight ends, especially with two tight ends on the field. So, um, score score prediction, what do you got for me? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go Saints win. Don't cover, though. I think it's going to be 30-27 final score. Oh, wow. Um, I got a little bit more because I got points, and I think we score on special teams in this game, uh, which I haven't mentioned, but... I said it there, so you heard it. You heard it here before you see before you see the game. Um, I got the Saints thirty eight. I keep on picking that score. I think I think that's like the second time I've done it in three weeks. I got the Saints thirty eight twenty one, and uh, I feel like in the third quarter, you and I will be cheersing and and, and eating beignets with a, a big dirty face, excited, licking our fingers, being like, "What a great game!" Um, this is one of those games that I think that they get right, and if. It's not get right, and Drew looks bad for a third week in a row. Our next podcast, we could be talking about: Are we looking at maybe ending the bleeding quickly and bringing in Jameis or Taysom for more of an extended look with the first team uh, to get us going? Because we have too much talent on this team not to be able to to score some points and, and do some things yeah. productively. Um, anything else that I missed, Jay? I think that is everything for this one, man. I think we, we covered all the bases. We got some predictions in, and now let's, uh, let's get those beignets in the oven right away. Or on, on, the, on the oven. 
they don't go baked. They get fried, man. Let's get those things on the on the on the pan. Get them in the grease. Get them in the grease. Yes, my man. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, Saints fans, like we always say, keep it simple, keep it sexy. We kept it short, and you have a great week before the Saints play on Sunday night. JD, always a pleasure, my man. Always, buddy. All right, man. Who that?